Welcome back to the Upstate Coffee Collective podcast. This is your one of two co-hosts, Matt Pfeiffer. Uh, today I'm talking with Kevin, just catching up on life and coffee and everything in general. Um, we put our headphones on for the first time in a little bit and, you know, it felt really good to sync up on things, talk coffee. Um, and, you know, I think that we're lining up some great guests for the next couple of weeks. So, uh, expect to hear more from us over the next few months um, but I want to hear how you guys are, you know, I think we've been quiet on all fronts and that has, um, been a blessing and a curse. It's allowed us to focus on our personal lives and our careers and get some, some things in order and manage through this crazy, you know, couple of years that we've been living in. Um, but we want to know how you're doing. We want to know what, the, what kinds of things you're thinking about in coffee and not in coffee. Um, so you know, feel free to hit us in the DMs, leave us a comment. Um, but anyways, just uh, to dive right in uh, today, Kevin and I are just going to talk about some of the things that have been happening over the last few months. We're going to talk about what it's like to, you know, be in the coffee business, but not as a barista or a roaster or even an owner, but rather a B2B salesperson. Kevin's been working for Stacks Espresso, uh, Stacks Espresso Bar for about six or seven months now, and he has been selling B two B, which means business to business. He is trying to get more Stacks coffee in other retail locations consistently uh, as a revenue source for Stacks, and the kinds of the kinds of ways that he's thinking about things differently, rather than. Um, how you would be thinking about them in a B two C scenario. I myself talk a little bit uh, later on about my decaf journey and what it's like to look at coffee from a specialty and decaf perspective. Uh, and I think it's important for us to think more about how we consume coffee, how we consume caffeine, whether or not we're doing it for the right reasons and how caffeine affects um, our lives, how it affects our mental health and our physical health. We also touch on Kevin's trip to Costa Rica with his family. Uh, it was mostly a beach vacation, but you can bet your ass he went and found all the coffee experiences he could on the West Coast of Costa Rica, and it's not what you would expect. I'm going to cut it there. We cover a lot of different stuff, uh, but it's just a really, you know, really great to catch up uh, with my buddy, and we really appreciate the two years that we've been doing this podcast now um, with all of its ups and downs. We were really, really consistent for about a year and change of it. And we're hoping to be even more consistent now going forward. Uh, I love having these conversations. They brighten my day and I hope they brighten yours as well. Take care of yourselves, stay safe and drink really good coffee. Three, two, one. Nice. Nice. That was solid. That was in sync. The future I think is so. now. We might as well be on Ansible on this shit. <laughs> That's a deep reference for anybody who's not a sci-fi nerd, but like... <laughs> I don't think even I got that. I, just, I laughed you at it You don't know what anyways. Ansible is? Ansible. It sounds familiar. It's the technology that was invented in sci-fi writing to make it so that information could be sent from like even like a planet to another instantaneously. Yes. That's an Orson Scott card reference. Yeah. Yeah. It's an Orson Scott card reference, but also like then it was just like adopted. So it's like, okay, a yeah, thing I, I don't know in, who, or I don't know who originated it, but like yeah. it clearly was used in all the Orson Scott card, like Ender's game series, yeah. which I love. Those are my favorite books. He realized he had to explain it. Like, you know, like otherwise you're watching Star Wars and you're like, they're like halfway across the galaxy from each other. You're telling me Darth Vader doesn't have lag. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like he, he holds up his hand to like choke the guy. And they're like, what is he doing? What is it? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> that's 
what it is. <laughs> well, I mean, from that distance, the yeah, like light travels at I don't know, I forget what it is, like three to the um three to the eight meters per second or something like that. Something like that. It's crazy. I used Fast. to know it off the top of my head, but uh you know those vast distances are much greater than the speed of light travels yes. in in time that we perceive so there is a seri- i think i remember hearing that if the sun were to just go away if it were to just to pop out of existence it would take 7 minutes for us to notice whoa yeah cuz the, the light and the gravity would be uh, gravity travels at the speed of light as well so yeah well and then on avenue five which was written by armando Iannucci, like one of my favorites in like modern comedy um one of the running gags is that they have a 30 second delay between earth and the ship oh yeah (laughs) yeah. like in the first episode they're trying to talk to each other and they're like well i guess i guess we'll just wait here for whatever (laughs) and then like the person starts talking (laughs) (laughs) it's really funny Oh, I love it. How you doing, man? I'm doing really well. How good. about uh, how about you? I'm good. How'd the raid go? Oh, dude, it was so fun. There's nothing more exhilarating. Like for for anybody who you know maybe doesn't play video games or at least you know sort of like MMORPG type video games where you're experiencing something new with a group of people and like trying to have to figure out what's going on together. It's sort of like going into if anybody's ever done or heard of an escape room where you and your buddies go into a place and you have to figure out how to get out together. Um, that's the idea of sort of going into a, a large um, player versus enemy PVE encounter in a video game where you yeah. and five of your buddies walk into this space and you have to figure out how to proceed and there's no instructions. There's just rule the the only rules are if you die you did something wrong (laughs) that's it yeah um it's like just figure out the puzzles and make your way to the end and hopefully you win and stay alive and that's it yeah so it was great um we did not complete it uh though there were so many network issues for this uh for this raid release that um speaking of lag Speaking of lag, Bungie <laughs> actually extended the 24-hour completion awards. You get usually like an emblem, and some cosmetics until Monday. Yeah, nice. so we might. W- I was actually after this going to go try to continue on through it, but as you should. Uh, I forgot to. Yesterday was my brother's birthday, and today, oh, no. from two to five ish, <laughs> I'm going to be at my parents having dinner. So. All right. Well, I mean, at least you're going to be there. That's good. real life stuff. I, yeah. Real life stuff takes place. I like spending time with my fam. So and it takes precedent. I'm OK with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good, man. That's awesome. I had a coffee filled weekend already. Um, you know what? But you're drinking coffee. I'm drinking so you coffee should tell right me now. what you're drinking. Oh, What's baby. In your mug, Matt. Um, so I'm drinking the uh, the washed Paranema. Um, mm-hmm. it is a Honduran coffee roasted by touchy coffee f- from their affection collection from the holidays. I've, I've kept some sealed away, some in the freezer, some in my like airlocked, uh, fellow containers. Nice. Still tasting pretty good. And I have a question for Matthew Loyacona that I, I haven't posed to him yet. What is that? Which is, we, we think, you know, the Affection Collection, which was a series of three coffees from Colombia, all with either different, um, you know, the same producer, maybe different processing method, maybe different variety. Mm-hmm. That was a success. So I'm wondering when the Affliction Collection is coming out. Whoa. Wait, <laughs> like sponsored by Affliction, the MMA... Uh, <laughs> no, not necessarily. Clothing company. I <laughs> feel like maybe like Affliction uh, Apparel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just came to my head. I saw Affection Collection. The first thing that popped in my mind is when Affliction Collection. <laughs> uh, you can get it at any time. Uh, you just have to buy a random assortment of coffees from Dunkin' Donuts. Ooh, they, they will afflict you with bad flavors. <laughs> There's also some like pandemic <laughs> comedy in there, but I won't sure. touch on it. No, let's not. Maybe like when thing like when when we finally are writing 
the whole of the story of the COVID-19 pandemic into yeah. a history book, we can then release a coffee series called the Affliction Collection. <laughs> Dude, I saw a Help Wanted like image everywhere everywhere around. all over the world yeah me well, too getting passed around that uh wanted they wanted baristas with infectious personalities shut the fuck up oh, oh god <laughs> like, too soon like, do you do you though i don't think they knew i think I that's think one of those knew. things like someone's like you know you got like an infectious personality your your positivity is infectious see i feel like <laughs> i feel like the person that put that together like hated their job and was like, I'm going to try and get this through corporate. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) You know, my God. And then now they're standing outside of the billboard or wherever it is. And they're standing with their other buddy who hates their job. And they're like, can you believe that we pulled this off? Goddamn. (laughs) Yeah, man. So I I already had my cup of coffee this morning. Um, so I'm drinking Perrier Perrier sparkling water. That's great, Uh, dude. It's a French story since 18, 63, which I love. Mm. Mm-hmm. We do love the French here at the Upstate Coffee I had Collective. Some Stacks Colombian this morning. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. So you're so you're still working at Stacks. Um, yeah. You are. Haven't gotten fired. You <laughs> you have not gotten no. fired yet. Yeah, which, which means I am I'm obviously su- doing something correct. <laughs> I'm not surprised by it, uh, though. I guess I am just wholly impressed at how how well you have rolled up into the sales job um oh, thanks man i always felt like you were a natural salesman and it uh, does feel natural yes um any good any good stories or insights from kind of seeing coffee from a different point of view now for the last how long have you been there like six or eight months uh, about six yeah nice um no f- seven months yeah right in between six and eight wow you're good i'm, ba- um, I'm the greatest so, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm learning a lot about like, about self-sustainability in an industry, I guess. Mm, yep. Um, I'm learning a lot about like interacting like B2B, B2B is different from B2C, right? Yes. Like, so you have business to business mm-hmm. and then you have business to consumer, right? Yep. And what I do is B2B. I'm business to business. I'm not. My, like if I'm finding end buyers for our coffee, I'm doing my job wrong. I right. want to find people who will perpetually buy our coffee to sell it to end buyers and yes. consumers. Right. So in the B2B world, the thing that I'm learning is that like you very often are finding these compromises that might not always match with your personal values when it comes to coffee. Like, um, one of the things that I wanted to work on right away was doing frack packs for a specialty coffee company. Like as soon as I realized that was what was going to get us in places that had commercial coffee makers easier. And that was something that I initially had reservations about. But then once I had done it and we had tasted it and made sure that it was good, um, I feel a lot better about it. And so now I'm selling prepackaged ground coffee to people where I normally wouldn't have done that before. Sure. Like normally I would be like, Oh no, you have to grind it at home. But the thing is the world isn't like <laughs> you can't take your arbitrary values that you've applied to a luxury commodity and then impose them on every single encounter. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, like uh, actually destiny, a destiny thing, the fun police. Um, remember the fun police from destiny? Yeah, that's um, it, was, it was the guy who originally was running like the fun police grenades and stuff like he was. Getting, yeah, like, his name is Sheik, I believe. Yeah. So the fun police, he um, he had a really good episode a long time ago. Like we're talking like 2016. Sure. On Crucible Radio, where he talked about what he called scrub logic. And I've always kept that with me because he said, when you take an arbitrary rule that doesn't apply to everybody and you try to apply it to everybody. You're a scrub. That's scrub logic. That's you right. saying, I'm not going to play. I'm not going to do the things that are in the meta because my values say that I can't play in the meta. Right. Mm-hmm. So I can't, I can't do all the other things that other people are doing because my personal values say that I can't, but like nothing else is preventing you from doing it. There's no bad reason to like 
you know, engage in a different form of practice, right? Mm -hmm. There's nothing that's going to morally corrupt you. And still you're saying, well, I'm not going to, you know, in a destiny example, I'm not going to use that hand cannon because everybody's using that hand cannon. And then like in a real world example, I'm not going to do frack packs because that's what big companies do. Right. Yeah. But then once I had like tasted it and gotten, you know, I actually, I started asking questions and taking my curious nature to things and saying like, well, how can I do things differently from how they're being done? And how can I take the things that are being done correctly and emphasize them? And the answer is to do both and just find where the cross section meets. Yes. Yeah. There's, there's always a cross section. Um, if you look hard enough and, in general, I think, yeah, I, something that applies to both the example that you gave with a video game and something real life like selling business to business is um, the phrase like, if it's in the game, it's fair game. If it's in yeah. the game and it's not like, um, and, it, and it's not obtusely recognized as bad practice or um, illegal, I guess, in the sense, then somebody is okay with it. Like, yeah, in your pre-packaged, you know, pre-ground, you know, packaged coffee. Yeah. What are they called? Frack packs. Got it. Frack packs. Um, You know, somebody is happy and, and prefers that method of receiving their coffee because it's convenient to them. Right. They have, they don't have time or the patience to, or the money maybe to like buy a grinder, grind their coffee before they brew it. They just want to be able to take a frack pack and open it, it and pour it into their, you know, their drip machine and, and yeah. get a batch of coffee and be able to throw it in their thermos and go on their way to work or whatever they do. Um, yeah. And that's valid. And it, it definitely is, uh, I think, a weakness of the specialty coffee community to frown upon that. Yeah. It's very easy for people to get, um, you know, sort of pompous or uh, elitist Stuffy. about. Right. And, and I've yeah. even I've even felt that way about myself um, explaining coffee to friends and family. You know, I immediately want to tell them what they're probably doing wrong with their coffee and why they're doing it wrong rather than look at it from an approach of, you know, it's however you want to make it. It is what you make of it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, I've, I've had a lot of grounding experiences in coffee in the past. Like seven <laughs> grounding. Months. And I mean, Ooh. yeah, ground. Uh, but like another thing about selling frack packs when you're doing B2B is that most of the time, the people that you're selling it to are the buyers, but they're not the people who are brewing, right? Right. They train employees and their employees have to go from every level to from like their top tier employee who could probably do the best coffee making that anybody else could do, you know, and then to their worst employee and everybody has a worst employee and they want their worst employee to be and you know, maybe like I don't have, I don't feel like I have to qualify it too much, but like maybe your worst employee really is like the worst employee you've ever had, but <laughs> sure. you should be able to tell them, Hey, open this up, put it in here with a filter, press the button, you right. know, which is not what I would do. I still don't do that for myself on a daily basis. I don't open something up, put coffee in something and press a button. I'm still am very hands-on with my coffee. So my coffee experience is completely different from my clientele, mm-hmm. um, which is another like grounding thing because then I, I think to myself, well, what, what's their lens? You know, I had, I'm not going to say who, but I had a client just a few days ago, hand me a coffee, like a cold coffee and say, I want this flavor. And I tasted it and I knew exactly what it was. And it's dark roast. Like Mm -hmm. as soon as I tasted it, I'm like, this is dark roast coffee. I wouldn't make this for myself. I wouldn't make this for my friends if they came over. However, this is what they want. Right. So now this week I have to bring that to the table and go, all right, let's problem solve because this is what our client wants. So we have to get them this flavor, you know? And it's not, you know, (laughs) it's not like a little bit past medium. You're talking it's overdeveloped. Not over. I, I 
I don't want to say overdeveloped because I don't think we would overdevelop a coffee on purpose, but definitely like leaning more into the darker flavor notes of the coffee. Okay. Like chocolate, a little bit of that like leather and cigar type flavor, you know? Um, and I, in that area, there's room for compromise. I feel like we can give them something better than what I tasted when they handed it to me. Sure. <laughs> because it was not good, <laughs> in my opinion. Okay. But... Um, but I, we, we have to find the compromise because we want our clients, you know, and then going to Costa Rica and not seeking out specialty coffee recently. I learned that like, if you're not seeking it out, like if you're not actively doing what you and I do, what like the coffee, the specialty coffee community is known for doing, you don't get specialty coffee in coffee producing countries for the most part. Like, well, this is a yes. This is a great segment into your uh, into your exploration of Costa Rica with your family. Um, yeah. And what I what what I pulled from that is, you know, this is a story of somebody who grew up in a first world country, um, finding specialty coffee, seeking it out, finding that there are you know ample ways of of obtaining specialty coffee, going to a a country very well known for producing excellent specialty coffee and assuming mm -hmm. that somebody would be grabbing that specialty coffee right you know from down the street or you know a town or a city over and opening up a specialty coffee shop right like yep. like you thought going there would mean that you are even more able to access really good coffee roasted and served really, really well because there just must be specialty coffee geeks. And what did you find? Uh, well, I mean, I wasn't positive. I didn't just assume that everybody was going to have it. Right. But I, sure. I, I, I caught myself thinking about Costa Rican coffee experiences. I have here, right where we are. Mm. And I, as I caught myself, I was like, wait, hold on don't go seek out the thing that you assume exists. Don't like use the confirmation bias actively, right? Don't go find the thing and then go, here it is. I found it. It exists. Mm. You know, even yeah. though it might be the 1% example, go there and just buy coffee, you know? Right. So, like see how they handle, see how they hand it to you. Yeah. Yeah. So what I did was everywhere I went, which was mostly along the Western coast, right? Mm hmm. Um, I just bought coffee at the places that sold it and almost everybody I would go up and I would ask them like, Hey, uh, what kind of coffees do you have? And almost every shop I went to wasn't featuring Costa Rican coffee because Costa Rican coffee is a big, they make, I, I'm assuming more money is made from exporting it than from keeping it in country. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause you can mark it up and say it's Costa an Rican coffee. Okay. Yeah, it's, so an, it's an, an assumption. assumption of mine is that, I think a big reason that I didn't get a lot of Costa Rican coffee experiences in Costa Rica is because it's an export. You know, it's it very makes interesting. the country more money that way. What I did get was Colombian coffee. I got Brazilian coffee. I got a couple of cups of Costa Rican coffee, which, sure. you know, it is sold on the shelves. It's mostly sold pre-ground, by the way. Interesting. Mostly. Yeah, really hard to find whole bean. And then when I did find whole bean, almost everything I found was dark roast. <laughs> so also interesting. Um, considering that like some of my favorite coffees are Costa Rican honey processed that are roasted lighter, you know? Oh yeah. But I'm going to all these different places and m multiple times got handed coffee in a plastic cup, which we wouldn't do here. Mm -hmm. Right. But like hot coffee in a plastic cup. Oh yeah. Which was like super interesting, but like I'm in another country. I'm not going to be like, that's wrong. Like, <laughs> you know, like I'm not that guy. That's sure. not who I am. Someone else can be that guy. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to go, cool. This is how you gave me my coffee. So this is what I'm drinking right now. Mm -hmm. uh, it was almost always dark roast and almost always not from Costa Rica. And when I went to even cafes that like people outside the cafe were like vouching for the cafe because they could tell like, you know, I had, Brandy and the kids behind me. So we're like, we look like tourists and they're like, oh, this is a great cafe. You're going to love this. This is one of the best cafe cafes in Capos. Mm. And I'm like, all right, cool. And I walk in and I'm like, what kind of coffees do you have? And they're like, we have this Brazilian coffee. And I go, cool. Do you have different roasts? Like yeah. I, I kept asking, 
The, and I, I asked it very politely. I was just like, hey, do you, do you have any other roasts than this one? And the, every cafe, no. This is what we run for espresso. This is what we run for coffee. This is what we run for pour over. Like, you get this roast. That's it, man. Mm. And I was like, all right, cool. Well, Americanos it is. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I think what you're seeing is the difference between industry and culture, right? Yes. So as like a consuming country... The United States has the luxury to develop culture around a product that they're only consuming. Yes. Whereas a country like Costa Rica, which is a producing country, um, you know, you your knowledge of like, you, yeah, I'll, I'll say your sort of extended knowledge of coffee is going to exist in industry and probably has not yet made it to, um, you know, sort of like culture because priorities are different. Um, yeah. You know, the economy is different and culture as a whole is different. And I think, uh, I think that's a really cool lesson for, you know, anybody who's interested in specialty coffee um, and lives in a producing or sorry, and lives in a consuming country because mm -hmm. I think we make assumptions about, coffee in that way where like the closer you are to the source the better the coffee experiences from a cultural perspective must be and though and i think a gauge of that uh is subjective you know i think oh, 100%. if you want a traditional you know costa rican coffee experience well you're going to get that but it's not going to look potentially anything like your coffee experiences of costa rican coffee in the united states yeah. And that's a really cool takeaway. Well, and another thing is, you know, I was talking about this with uh, Ryan McNaughton yesterday is we live in like a coffee oasis, right? We're, we're in the upstate of New York, but there's like, we can count more than five specialty coffee roasters and or shops easily. And within even, 20 miles. Probably. Yeah. And even most other like areas of our own state don't have that. Yeah. They don't oh, have yeah. roasteries like we do up here. Right. Yeah. And yeah so yeah. there's, there's even, I would say there's even not because of competition directly, but indirectly because of the existence of different roasters. I think more people are trying to find novel ways of conveying their interpretation of specialty coffee experiences to their consumers. Right. Sure. So like we have an added layer of complexity to our own, subculture of a subculture in this area like it's very niche yeah it is it is and i'm definitely grateful for that um and as somebody who is uh, just incredibly busy incredibly um scatterbrained always looking to learn new things i feel like I personally fell off the coffee bandwagon a little bit and a lot of my friends have continued on their own journeys and yep. they'll reach out to me with like new, you know, new knowledge or like, you know, offering new experiences like Ryan McNaughton's a great example. He's got this cool roaster in his, in his um, garage and he's like, mm -hmm. like less than 10 miles from me. Like he's so close to me and I just like haven't been there yet because priorities change. Um, life gets well, in the way. You're on the blockchain. You're, you're like, <laughs> your life is minted. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> My, you know, I have a non fungible life. You have a non fungible life, man. Uh, You've well, been yeah, spending that's, so that's, much time dedicated to that. And like, I, I know that like we have listeners who don't hear every conversation that we have, but that's, you know, when you started talking to me about that, one of the things that I told you in that conversation was like, do it go do your thing, like chase mm -hmm. down that passion. Because if you don't, if you don't do it, you never, you're only going to regret it. Right. Yeah. A little, a little insight for you is, um, you know, I'm still at my, I'm still at the job I've been at for, you know, the whole life of this podcast and, and our project. And, you know, like there's some cool stuff about the work that I do right now and things are getting even more interesting. And it's kind of sad because I see, I, you know, I see like a two to five year trajectory of me, like if I were to stay at the job that I'm at right now, where I'd have a great time and I would deliver like a really cool, really valuable product. Cool. Um, but 
But you don't want that. I, you know, I would still wake up grateful every day. Yeah. But it's, yeah. but I see something better for myself out there. And I, <clears throat> this week, uh, spent some time talking to a recruiter who reached out to me through LinkedIn and Twitter. And he just, I, you know, re- recruiters jobs are to find, you know, <laughs> are to, are to find Potential employees, people, right. To fill roles. So, yeah. Um, I got, you know, I feel lucky that, that he reached out to me and we talked about, you know, job opportunities and, and, you know, where I'm at from like a skill standpoint and long story short, like there are a lot of jobs that are available for me and all of them would allow me to be a hundred percent remote doing shit that I am really interested in in like awesome crypto and doubling my salary minimum wow there are people like i'm not nearly qualified enough to make this kind of a salary but he's like on average (laughs) he's on average placing people at like two hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year wow like this is this is an industry that is flush with cash and in high demand for people with very niche skills because this is a very niche industry and there's definitely risk to a new industry um just like the internet in the early you know in the early 90s you know the internet could have ended up being nothing to us that sounds laughable but to a lot of people they're like this internet thing is like crazy i don't know what you're doing and plenty of companies yeah were made and most of them didn't make it 20 years 30 years but the industry never died and I'm hoping and I'm, you know, kind of confident that this is an industry that will last a long time. And I think I got to get into it and take a risk now, even yeah. if things don't work out in the short term, I think they'll, they'll work out in the long term. So well, you're, yeah, you're seeing countries like whole countries invest in that space now. And when you see <laughs> the legitimization of that, uh, uh, you know, it's, um, it's the same kind of it's funny to see it because it's the same kind of faith that is referenced on the very dollar bill, you know, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like we have faith in that system and now countries are saying, well, actually, we have some faith in this system now, this new crypto system and this blockchain. We like this. We're going to yeah, and we're going to start putting money into that. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. Like it, whenever I talk to friends who are like kind of anti-crypto, I love talking to people who are anti-crypto because they have really great insights. It's very easy, no matter where you are, to get get stuck in an echo chamber and think that everything that you believe is, is scripture and there's no wrong answers. Yeah. Right. So it's good to talk to people who don't necessarily agree. And one of my friends is you know, he's in, he's actually in the finance sector, right? So he, he lives and breathes, um, corporate finance Mm -hmm. stocks. Um, and he thinks crypto is ridiculous because why would you, why would you want to put money that like you could lose and have no insurance over? Like any, any money you put into the banks is FDIC insured. So if somebody were to hack you and take all your money, well, that that money's insured and will be brought back. And I think Mm -hmm. that's great. That is really great. And that is, that is actually something that you don't have right now in the early days of crypto. Yeah. But, um, you know, these, the money that you hold right now in a bank in, you know, either in a bank account or an investment firm, you are still trusting somebody, right? You're trusting a government, you're trusting, um, you know, in like investors and banks and the, Fed, the Fed who right. control how much that actually is valued. Well, right, exactly. And and the Fed is I okay. <laughs> don't don't get me started because I mean it's I'm a not, really it, I'm not but it's yeah, a really interesting to topic to talk it about is. like like modern monetary policy. It's really, yeah. really interesting. And I know it sounds super dry. There's actually I'll just recommend anybody who is listening to this. If you want to get it, if you want to hear some like hilarious, but informative nitty gritty on monetary policy and like how ridiculous it is for the Fed to just create money out of nowhere, but they can only do it for like corporate America and never do it to bail out like, you know, workers um, is actually John Stewart, his new show and and his new podcast, The Problem with John Stewart. Listen to his podcast because he interviews like legitimate 
bankers and like uh, uh, academics in yeah. finance and things like that. Just go listen to it because it's fucking hilarious and informative. Awesome. I was just going to say we should do a new segment called Thanks, Andrew Jackson. And that would be all about the Fed. We can do that. That would be great. Or thanks, Papa Powell. Oh, Papa Powell. Um, yeah, dude. So getting back to where we where we were at. Yeah, I'm um, sorry. I went on a tangent. And there was no, no, a reason no, me for too. it. But. It was good. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dude. Costa Rica kind of changed my... It changed my perspective of my place in the industry and how I want to go about my goals Um, because I don't hide it from anybody that like the big thing I want to do in our area is just continue to shine a spotlight on it. Like I, I want to be part of the reason, not the reason and not like one of the reasons, but like part of the reason that the SEA eventually hosts something in Albany. Like, that's what I want. I mm. want all of our friends and neighbors that we got to know when we first started this thing to get that kind of like, not only exposure, but to, to have a moment. Like, I'm all about creating that um, that opportunity for everybody, you know, and the best way for me to do it is to find my success in that space, right? And And use that to continue to point spotlights in different directions and say, look at this. This is cool, you know. I'm well, basically always shilling the capital district <laughs> to that's the rest actually, of the coffee world. That's actually exactly the direction that I was going to go with this, with, with your, um, with your statement there. Which is, how do you, or what are some ways that you envision um, bringing specialty coffee closer to mainstream culture? Uh, would I forget how I started this? <laughs> I forget how I started the sentence, and I started to like. How do I envision bringing specialty coffee to mainstream culture? Yes, thank you. <laughs> what are some ways? You know, like what? Like how do you take specialty coffee from being niche and turning it into like the you know the beer breweries? I think I'm finding that answer. Um, I think we're we we are finding that answer as an industry, and uh, that the the feedback loop in coffee right now, it, it seems every time any bit of information travels the feedback loop, it comes back with an addendum and a couple of like, you know, um, either, either additions or like, uh, redactions or like yeah. adjustments, edits. And, uh, and as we're finding that answer, I, I'm, I think I'm answering it at least in my position for myself and for stacks now, you know, and I think I, I even when I was at crew, I was trying to do that. You know, like I was like, I was always like, all right, cool. How do we get this into the next grocery store? How do we get this into the next? And that really is the answer. Like to get specialty coffee out there, you have to get it into places where people who otherwise wouldn't think about it are thinking about it or, or rather just seeing it, you know, because like that's really mm-hmm. what that's why people buy ad space anywhere. And His really. Eyes placement is your biggest form of ad space because once you're placed somewhere you can go hey i've got some signs that i want to bring in and i want to direct people's attention to this and i want to come compete with the noise of the world to try and find my place you know yeah i think you know i think specialty coffee or like i'll i think like wave 2.5 especially coffee being like <laughs> 2.5. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think of like You're such a tech dude. <laughs> 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 I think of like death, w- death wish coffee as like wave 2.5. Okay. You know, in that yeah. it's not second wave, but you know, I think there are still some areas where they, you know, th- where they don't like lean into the, the, the niches maybe hard enough. Like, yeah. so like wave 2.5 has made it into grocery stores and people, love death wish coffee's brand they love the idea of the coffee they love integrating it into their into their sort of like (laughs) their lifestyle brand yeah so like the the, well so the question becomes um how do you make third wave coffee lifestyle brand i think it's making itself a lifestyle brand 
For sure, because we have look at the ever expanding groups of like home brewers that care about that experience, right? Yep. The you know the example that I like to draw is there in like the wine and liquor worlds. There's similar movements. Like you have people that come in that get the cocktail that they want to get, and all of a sudden they're making it, and like you know you're like, oh well, you can make that with better ingredients. And there's a better way to make that. And here's a new here's a new piece of equipment that you can use mm. for that. And then people in the wine industry are doing the same. They're going, hey, here's a new piece of equipment that we can use to accent a different flavor of the grapes for people who want it that don't know it exists yet. And then those people are like, oh, have you tried this? It tastes like blank, blank, blank. And specialty coffee is doing that. And I think on top of that, you have people who are in marketing and sales right now in specialty coffee that care specifically about specialty coffee and making sure more people care about what's in their cup. Do you think, um, do you think third wave coffee will, will stand in the same place that, um, like specialty wine stands where, it's regarded in a, in a higher class for people who care. Um, but, but it's not its own. How here's, here's the best way I can make an example. Um, I value high quality goods. I value, um, niche things. But if I go, if I need a bottle of wine, Mm -hmm. I'm going to spend 12 to $15 on a bottle of wine at Purdy's. And I'm not really going to take into account where it's from. I might, I might ask what country it's from. Like I, I know I love like, like a Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand, cool. but that is as technical as I get. And in general, yeah. what are you looking at when you go to any sort of wine store? You're looking at the label, you're looking yeah. at where it's from. So you're not digging into those deeper layers. And some people will. There are people who take bottles of wine that they know are like, you know, it's a great year for wine growing. That's a great region. So like we're going to take that bottle and we're going to get a case of it and store it in the basement and like have it forever and age it 10 years or whatever. Like there are people that are do that, that will do that. But that is not the mainstream. And I don't think it ever will be. Uh, Well, okay, so. I think coffee will exist in that space, but it'll look different, right? It's not going to be the same. Like, but I mean, one thing that coffee has going for it is that you don't have people collecting vintages of it. Um, that's a, that's a strength and a weakness because every year is new. So there's always something new coming out. I think coffee is already being innovated on, uh, on all parts, you know, by roasters who are finding more accurate ways to bring out flavor profiles that they like, um, to the farmers and producers who are finding new ways to process it. Mm -hmm. And that will only become more readily available as more people are doing it. So I think specialty coffee, it kind of already is in that space where like there are like, there's a good amount of people. I think everybody has like one coffee friend now, you know, Mm. but not every neighborhood has the coffee guy, right? Not every single neighborhood street has like the guy where everyone's like, Oh, that's he, he's got the best coffee, you know, but (laughs) most neighborhoods have a, the guy where they're like, Oh yeah, he knows a lot about wine. He knows a lot about liquor. He knows a lot about this. And as the culture itself grows in a consuming country like ours, you're going to see more people care about it because going back to what I was saying before, some of the people who care end up putting these like arbitrary rules on things. But some of those rules come from a good place with good intention and some of them stick, Mm, you know? Yeah. And when that happens, it changes the way people view the culture, you know, like craft breweries 20 years ago were nothing like nobody, nobody cared that much. It was a small crowd of people who were dedicated to it. Now, they're all over the place. You can't stop them in the Northeast, right? There's like a new one every other month. Someone's mm-hmm. like, we got a new Goza on tap right now and it tastes like Sherbert. And like, <laughs> you know, like that's, 
That's Did you just have. read that off like like off of an advertisement somewhere? Because that is exactly what's happening right now. That is, is it. What's happening right now? I, it must I was just be. making it up, and I was trying to go with something that wasn't a direct fruit reference, bro. There, if I went to <laughs> if I went to like Whitman Brewing right now, I bet you I could find a Goza that tastes like sherbet. Sherbet says yeah, it on the board. And that's what's happening. And the more people care about that, the more other people around those people who care about it, respect it, gravitate toward it, look at it. So the same thing's happening with coffee. Like the, I, I can't tell you how many people I know are switching over from dark roast to lighter roasts for their own personal consumption of hotter iced coffee on mm. a daily basis, you know? And it, it's a lot. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who are switching over and then not looking back. And they're like, and then there's a lot of people who are in the middle ground. They're like, I really do care. And when I get the chance to care, I care. But most of the time I got to hop in that line at Dunkin Donuts in the mm-hmm. morning and get my coffee and get to work. And I don't have time to make it. And like when you explain to them, like it's five minutes. If you figure it out, it's five minutes. Five yeah. minutes to make coffee is not that bad. People are like, all right, well, I could, I could think about five minutes. Like, yeah, that sounds nice. Yeah, man. Dude, coffee is just, it's, it's a really cool industry to be in right now. Um, we got some friends who are heading off to, they're actually, they're at Coffee Fest in New York City right now. There's something called Coffee Fest? Yeah, New York City. I had no idea. Yeah, there's a, like a bunch of classes. A lot of roasters go. Um, the first year that we started doing our highlight roast, Ernan was actually down there uh, at one of the roasting uh, classes speaking. Very um, cool. Yeah, Ryan's down there right now. He signed up for a bunch of classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like super dedicated and really, he's really doing it, man. And I, I was like, I was like, I don't want, I want to wait until there's like no COVID restrictions on it. Like I don't, I don't want to go through all the hassle I had to go through to get back into the country. This Are there week. any COVID restrictions now? I mean, like, <clears throat> uh, yes. So if you're going to a convention. Uh, especially like that or the SEA Expo, they're requiring uh, proof of vaccination. You do have to wear a mask and you have to get tested 72 hours before you go. Oh, for fuck's sake. Antigen test. So there's still like a ton of extra work that goes into going to something like that. So I respect all the people who have the dedication for it. I it's not a lack of dedication. I just don't want to deal with it. Like, and no, I, I, I don't want to do extra things to do the thing that I do anyway every uh, week yeah no I, I i get where you're coming from and i, I agree I, if you know uh, an industry especially as hard hit um as the coffee industry wants to be safe i think that's great yeah um but it is it is a it is a lot of uh a lot of worry and extra work um yeah and just not as fun i only so we're we're recording this uh in the first week of march 2022 mm-hmm. and Things are finally um, re- restrictions are starting to be lifted in New York State. We have uh, we have children going to school without masks now. We have uh, workplaces that are not required by law to, to mask up. I just started uh, on Wednesday not wearing a mask at work. Whoa! And we're a, we're federally mandated, but we we got to pass because I think the federal mandates are still in effect, but. Um, I think there's, you know, some sort of rules and, and like there, there are bars that you have to hit, you know, and it's yeah. like, I think because we are in a low to medium risk area that we don't have to wear masks. So, oh, that's cool. But nice. You know, a lot of that, it, a lot of like anxiety and uncertainty comes with everybody unmasking and some people are choosing to continue to mask, which I think is totally, uh, you know, totally good i think that's totally fine yeah um i have some questions about what life looks like in three six nine months but i think we all do i'm just rolling with it at this point man me too (laughs) yeah you know where i'm at i've done everything i can do (laughs) double vax boosted i wear a mask like whenever i'm asked to and if i see like the thing i'm just like yeah whatever Like, yeah, yeah. Like I keep I'm a mask on me it. if in yeah. case any places like, hey, would you know we require masks or whatever. Yeah. Um, but you're right. Uh, you you got vaccinated, which is the strongest, um, the strongest non natural line of defense that you can have. Yeah. If you've had COVID, you have uh, extensive T cell and B cell immunity to all variants of COVID. 
um, for. I'm a, pretty sure I had it because like I've been around people who have had it in the past half a year, like directly around them and mm. quarantined and just not gotten it. So, or at least not had symptoms because yeah, you're yeah, yeah, healthy, yeah. Um, yeah, because you're vaccinated and yeah. boosted. True. And, and um, you, can, I just want to, I just want to yeah, say yeah, one sorry, thing. Sorry. Um, you know, early on in the pandemic, the kinds of things that you'll hear me and a lot of people say now um, were said by people who were very much sort of like pushing towards the right of things when it comes to COVID. They didn't want restrictions. They didn't want mask mandates. They didn't want vaccines or rather they, they wanted vaccines to not be mandated. Um, yeah. And back then, if you were to say something like, look, you're healthy, um, so you you don't have anything to worry about. Just, you know, don't be obese and blah, blah, blah. Well, that was that was fucking stupid and rude and like very short sighted. But like now that we have vaccines that work really well, it shows that they work. We have all these other really great lines of defense in the medical community. I think now is the time for us to start to now we can ask those questions about what is reasonable, you know? Yeah. And it's exciting. I think it's exciting for us to be able to get to a point now where we can start to have the, the conversation about personal choices again. Um, now that we have things under control, if this is proper March too, I believe this is two year anniversary of the podcast. Just so you know, Holy shit. Yeah. Started up in March, March of 2020. Yeah. With, uh, Ron Greco, my current boss as our first guest. That's crazy. Our second guest. First guest was Devin. <laughs> First guest was Devin Seegers. Devin Seegers. I was supposed boy. to podcast with Devin um, on Friday. Yeah. But uh, the, our guest could only do like middle of the day and Damn. I work. So Wait, so what, what's your podcast with Devin? What, what is this? Um, so this, what is, this, <coughs> this is a podcast. Matt Pfeiffer that people can get. <laughs> this is a podcast. It's not live yet. We haven't released anything yet, but it's uh, oh. he, he's putting together a library of conversations with um, generally people in the, well, I shouldn't say that there's, there's no, um, there's no sort of like box around, um, criteria, right. There's no criteria around like what people do, but the, the podcast is called dropping deeper and it's about, um, really getting into some of the nitty gritty around, um, you know, personal well-being and, um, <clears throat> sort of just like having deeper conversations with people who have really unique insights. Um, we've talked with somebody who is, gosh, it's been a while. Um, we talked with, oh my God, we, we talked with one person who is like a pro at um, <clears throat> deep journaling and uh, th there's a, a specific type of journaling she does, which involves not just writing, but also like creative expression, like art. And uh, it, she she makes these amazing, beautiful journals that have, um, you know, like inspiring quotes and prompts. Um, they sort of look like collages or like, um, you know, yeah, I guess you would call a collage like that. She would like clip out pieces of like, uh, you know, like a magazine and like make words out of like different characters that you'd find in the magazine. It's just really, uh, she would write herself inspirational ransom notes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, cool. I think so. <laughs> I don't have a good pitch for it because it's not my podcast. I come on yeah. and I listen to, I'll tell you here, here's, <clears throat> here's the, uh, bottom line up front. I talk with really fucking smart, really fucking insightful people. Mm -hmm. I just listen and give my two cents here or there, but it's really Devin who we've seen from multiple episodes being just like super ethereal and super just like connected at another level. Yeah. Um, Intuitive. And it's it's been it's just been a, a blessing for me to be able to be there. I have notes like whenever I talk to them, I keep a notebook and I fill it up with all of these references to great books and That's quotes. Cool. Um, so I will, you know, what we should do is uh, we should have Devin on to talk about it. Okay. Because yeah, I'm down for that. He'll give you a better he'll give you a better elevator pitch than I can. Okay. 
I'm down with that. So Devin obviously didn't ask me to co-host with him because uh, my I I just you know he he knew I had filled that void for myself. Oh, if he. <laughs> no, if, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, no. <laughs> if you were uh, if you were the co-host, I think um, nobody it would be- become a cartoon. <laughs> you'd be a cartoon glass of orange juice. Yeah. Yeah. Hell mm-hmm. yeah. That would be dope. That's, um, that's what I want I, from you, really. I actually, well, you, you're going to get it because <laughs> I realized, uh, and I told you this about a month ago, I realized that like some of the cool, some of the cooler conversations I'm having are when I'm not with a mic in front of me, obviously, and I'm just kind of like going back and forth with someone who typically we might even have on as a guest, right? And mm. you know how I am. I just get excited about things. So I actually recorded the first one of those this weekend yes. with Ryan when we were driving around getting coffee and I came up with a title for it. I'm going to call the segment over caffeinated. Love it. Right. Tell me, tell me all about it. Cause I haven't Cause I, really, I would, you, you sent me some clips and things and I haven't listened at all yet. Oh, uh, well what I sent you was actually the theme music that I made, which I'm pretty proud of. Um, but I, I dude, I, I'm talking to people all the time about coffee and what they're doing and, you know how I am. As soon as someone says anything remotely interesting, I'm just like, I'm sorry, what can you explain for? Do you have five minutes? Cool. Do you have 20? Cool. Do you have 40? Like, Mm. you know, and like just really get into the nitty gritty of like what people think and what makes them them like their jouissance while at the same time, like tossing around some jokes and references and stuff and having just a really good time of it. So I decided to record one. So I guess the approach, if you were to pitch it as a podcast, is it's a loose form dialogue akin to comedians in cars getting coffee, but it's really just me like interacting with and talking to people about things that they're interested in, hopefully mostly in coffee. But like there's so many people that we've had on who, if you put me in a car with them, we'd have a completely different conversation than what we Wait a minute. Are you pitching me coffee people in cars getting coffee? Pretty much. I think I make that reference on the the first episode. I go, this is really pe- co- people in and around coffee in cars getting coffee and talking about coffee. Yeah, and that's it. <laughs> um, and you know some other things, but uh, yeah, baristas in cars talking coffee. Yeah, there it, it is. A lot of fun, and I'm gonna do more of them. Like I'm There's gonna go out of my way to spend time with people and or if I'm about to have an interesting conversation, I'm just going to ask people like, hey, can I turn my voice memo on? Can I record this? Because I just, I don't know. I think that's, it's a really good approach. Like it's different from what we do here, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, um, it's, I think the environment has a lot to do with it. I think when you're sitting in a podcast um, studio, slash my basement, there are different expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think you could, you could definitely get something different out of people. So that's, that's really cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing it. How are you? Um, how are you planning to publish it? Uh, I think I'm just going to drop it on anchor and then I'm going to put it as like being produced by upstate coffee collective, but it's still going to have its own like title and graphic and just be called over caffeinated. Love it. So it'll be akin to our podcast, but it'll be a separate thing. And then I'll just share it on the Upstate Coffee Collective Instagram. Cool. Yeah, you and could also stacks. you could also if you wanted to. Um, there are different options on on Anchor to like release, you know, extra content or however they put it. It's sort of like a you know a sub content of of the uh, of the original channel, and oh. you can put custom uh, custom art on it and uh oh cool that kind of thing so yeah you can you can look into how, however you want to do it i think would be oh. awesome yeah we we might do that yeah what's your jam this week i feel like we've talked about a lot and this is a good space to get into the fun part and wrap it up oh brother um <clears throat> i i sh- i shared this on our tunes day and if people aren't um, if people aren't aware, every Tuesday, uh, we tag a bunch of our favorite friends who are big music geeks um, mm-hmm. to share their jam on a Tuesday. We call it Tunes Day. And that actually was created by you and Kat Shot Mancini. Mm-hmm. Scott? Shot? I always do this. I always do this. Shot. It is Shot, yeah. Um, you and Kat created this when you worked together at Crew Coffee, I believe. You called it Tuesday? Yeah. 
and now we're carrying it on into the internet uh, ether. And I love it. So uh, I shared this last Tuesday. I'm jamming on old Green Day. I'm kind of in like an old punk phase. So like Blink-182, uh, Newfound Glory, um, and Green Day, specifically Dookie. And uh, what's that other record? I'll just stick with, with Dookie. No, nah, the Say other Nimrod. one. No, nah, the other one. Uh, American Idiot. Before that. Uh oh oh oh! More, I had uh, warning. It. Oh, never mind. That's not the one. I was warning. Thinking. I was thinking the one that has. That uh, I was thinking the one that has walking contradiction on it. No, that's was, the one before Nimrod. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you're probably and, right. I I'm not sure. That's my jam. It's been really nice cool. to to put something old but also new in my ears. You know, I you mm-hmm. you know me as a as an indie guy. But I grew up on punk, and yeah. you know I feel like now that spring's on its way through, the uh, seasonal affective disorder in me is, you know, it's sort of like I'm coming out of my own hibernation. Like I said, you're waking up. Oh baby, <laughs> I'm waking up. What about you're you, buddy? Waking up because September ended. <laughs> no, sept- <laughs> <laughs> September's um, when I go to sleep and I wake yeah, right. up in March. Yeah, yeah. When September ends. Um, I, I over on the way over here. I actually heard a brand new song by this uh, artist called Wax a Million. Uh, it's called Stargazer. Mm. Super, super dope. Like really in that realm of like prog, like like pop pop prog. Mm. You know, yeah. Like on the lighter side, like Chon ish. Oh, I you love Chon. A lot of guitar, a little bit of synth, like some real funky rhythms going on. Like, cool. That was really good. And then I've just been making like. I've been all over Splice using my membership recently. So I've been listening to a lot of like what other producers are making and like checking out their samples and listening to like put trying to put things together off of those. So that's been fun. Nice. Yeah, that's yeah. right. You've been fucking around with that. Yeah. Um, can I, can, can I, I add one more? Yeah. Uh, I've got one more jam. This is yeah. uh this is a little bit out of left field. You may or may not have heard of this guy. Um, his name is Yuno, Y-U-N-O. Uh, he's awesome and he just came across my Spotify library because I was listening to God I don't know probably Unknown Mortal Orchestra or something probably um, <laughs> oh God it's just he's he's got such a great voice and his uh, um, I don't know what I would characterize his music as it's sort of like pop and maybe like alternative like I guess sort of like a Mac DeMarco. Yeah, it's like pop alt R&B. Yeah, a little R&B. Yes, exactly. Yep. Um, And he's got a couple, like Zebra is a great song. It's got a little bit of vibes to it, though. A little, you know, a little bit on the sadder side, but so good. Um, And that whole, he's got a whole like EP or record that I've been listening to kind of on a loop. And, um, you know, it's just, it's nice to be served some new music that just makes you feel so good. The album yeah. by you know that I'm referring to is called Moody. Moody. It's from 2018. That's pretty dope, man. Such a great vibe. Um, we already talked about what's in our mugs. I will yeah. I will make a quick mention that um, if you haven't seen from our Instagram, which has been a, a little bit on the quiet side, uh, I'm on a little bit of a, of a decaf journey. Yeah. I've been on a decaf journey since like the fall, you know, yep. I, I at first said I was going to take a break from like just a straight up caffeine reset. Um, but instead it ended up going from like a week to just almost never drinking caffeine. Yep. And it's kind of crazy. And when I do drink caffeine, it's, uh, substantially, <laughs> uh, it's very obvious to me that I've consumed it, mm-hmm. but de- the, my, my decaf journey is something I want to continue to, to talk about on the internet because I think we, that we, I think we could be more responsible with our caffeine consumption as we have referred to in the past. And it's interesting to explore specialty coffee from the perspective of somebody who's trying to avoid caffeine. Oh Yeah. You know, yeah, I agree with that. Well, I think I think in in a future episode we could really dig into some cool decaf 
coffee science. You talk about yeah. different decaffeination methods. So keep your ears out for that. That's that's going to be a good one. Yeah, 2021, we definitely embraced the notion that like coffee isn't all benefit, right? It's sure. not just this positive thing. We we really kind of like got down on the notion that it was like, and I, by got down, I mean like we boogied down on some info. Uh, we, you know, we got down on the notion that like, caffeine isn't always good for you and like some people are hypersensitive to it and maybe we should assess like the way that we're presenting coffee to people, mm. you know and I, I dude i still only drink like one to two cups a day on average mm. that's why i titled the conversation i had yesterday over caffeinated and like i was like oh i'll make that a segment because i normally don't have more than one or two cups and if i even have like a shot of espresso more i'm pretty much over caffeinated for the sure day. yeah so. Yeah, man, I quickly, um, I don't know how long we've been running. And I know we probably want to get on with the rest of our day. We're at about an hour you, and change. You um, got to raid, dude. Huh? Raid. I don't. I can't raid. Shadow I got to I got to oh, go yeah, to, sorry. I got to go to dinner soon. Uh, Brothers. Early Sunday dinner. Birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Happy birthday right. to Ryan Pfeiffer. He's going to be um, 27 today. Or he was 27. Wow. He's 27 yesterday. So old. Yep. 